The following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters. Oh, yeah. Two microphones. And one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Brake, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. Ooh, let's go. It is a Wednesday. We're talking football. Portal watch. Yes. And coaches. And what else? Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. 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 I just hope we can win a game. Another one. Yeah, don't we all wish we could win a game? No, I wish we could. I wish we could. I wish we could win a game this Saturday. Unfortunately, it will not be the case. Because um, we're not playing Saturday. That's correct. Yes. Uh, also, not winning a game Saturday. Probably Samford. We can talk about that in a little bit. Sam Ford. Yep, we can talk about that. All right. Here's today's show. Portal Watch SoCon Edition. Something we've yes. done in basketball, but have not done in football. But obviously. Today's world feel like that is important. Plus, for better or worse, it's deeply relevant right now. And yes, when you look at uh, just ETSU, the team we cover, it is obviously very important. So, without further ado, the portal is opening. Colonel O'Neill, what are you doing? Portal one. All right, Portal Watch, we're going to start at home first. Might as well. We cover ETSU, and that's where we're going to go. Let's take a look at starters lost right now to the Portal. In alphabetical by first name, because that's how it's listed here. Elijah Huzzy, Blake Austin, Chandler Martin, Quinn Smith, Rodney Wright Jr., Tavon Matthews, now starter hurt, but obviously would be a starter if he's healthy, Tyler Keltner, and Tyler Rydell. So that's two four, six, eight. I'm including Matthews because, honestly, if he's healthy, he would start. So, eight starters. Mm-hmm. Now, four others. Brock Landis, the backup starter, then third-string quarterback for ETSU. Special teamer Harold O'Neill, who had the punt return, the awkward punt return. That's right, Bobby Robert, Moe, yeah. Yep, that old Bobby Moe. And then uh, special teamer Skylar Adams, and then Mac McCovery, who got a carry against Mississippi State. I don't remember if he had any special teams, but those are the 12 guys as of when we printed this out that was in the portal. Obviously, two offensive linemen. I mean, you look at – Huzzy led the nation in pass breakups. Uh, I think it was 11th, 12th, whatever, in some voting. Um, Chandler Martin led the team in tackles, sticking with the defense side of things. Quinn Smith was your starting field side corner. Was Nickelback coming off the knee injury? I wonder if the next year, the knee healthy, would that change things? And am I missing my own defense? I think that was it. I'm a Harold special teamer. Then on offense, two offensive linemen at start of the year. I've gone in mm-hmm. with Blake and Tavon. Obviously, your starting quarterback and Tyler Rydell, and then Tyler Keltner. And for Keltner, I mean, to me, he, I said it earlier, but he's broke every single kicking record. He played four years. He got a degree. I mean, I, he's the one that I, I think Buck fans, if, and I get people don't like Portal and other, but he's the one guy that's like, all right, what else do you do? Well, I mean, listen, honestly. it's it's when you sign a national letter of intent. You are ostensibly making a commitment for four years. Now, at some schools, scholarships are one year at a time. I know the Pac-12 changed its rules 
so that all athletic scholarships are guaranteed for four years, essentially to prevent teams from running players off. Um, but, you know, you are making a commitment ostensibly for four years. You come in, you play football, you get your degree. Once you have honored that commitment and you have your degree in hand, if you have an opportunity to go do something else that, you know, gives you a chance to experience something different, more power to you. I mean, nobody should be should should want to stand in the way of that. I don't think. So, uh, yeah, the guys that graduate, the guys that have the degree, and you're going to see some guys that are listed as sophomores right now that have been in their respective programs for four years, and they probably have their degree. They graduated on time, maybe even graduated a semester early. They're graduating in December, and they are going to another school to pursue a graduate degree in addition to playing football. And I think when you do that, like, hey, Thanks for everything. Good luck to you. I think you you have to salute those players because they honored the traditional, the conventional commitment. They honored it and now have an opportunity to do something else that is still within the bounds of the rules. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, and that's what's, you know, you know, you look at that and Blake Austin gave you four years. He falls in that category. Yes, Rodney Wright was here for four years. Yeah, so, I mean, Quinn Smith would have, fell in that too so I mean there's a lot of guys that you look at and you look at the starters and we're going to go over the rest of the league and so there's a there's a lot there you need some offensive linemen plus there's graduation you know Joe Schrauber graduated so you're looking at at least three offensive linemen that are going to have to start for ETSU obviously it's a new uh you know unless it's just handed over to Barry May right now is by default he's the only quarterback that's seen playing time that is currently on the roster correct you know, and I know they'll probably bring in some quarterbacks, but you're looking at who's going to be the quarterback. Right now, Isaiah Wilson, Will Huzzy, Anaj Carter has a year left if he so chooses to yes. do so. So, you know. And Inaj was not honored at senior day, so, I mean, it, it yes. was not part so of the plan like, for him to leave. Agreed. So, you know, uh, is Amir Dindy, is Bryce Nerby? I mean, there's plenty. Trey Foster, there's plenty of running backs still to go. The top two, three tight ends are still there when you look at West and uh, my guy Biscuits Frierson. So, I mean, there's still some key pieces there. Defensively, though, I, I think that's where it's, it's interesting because you had some guys uh, graduate. Timmy Dorsey's graduated, you know, uh, and then Rodney Wright leaving. That's two-thirds of your starting defensive line. I mean, still got some key pieces there. Definitely need depth. Inside linebacker's been decimated, so they'll definitely need to um, – uh, fill some holes on the inside, two inside linebackers. The outside linebackers, three of the four, looks like they're coming back as of right now. So uh, the only one you lose, I believe, is Jay Harrison actually graduated. So so he he can't come back. But the the rest of the guys are eligible to play. And then you got two safeties. Yep. Uh, that's a lot of playing time. Um, Sheldon Arnold Jr., Chris Hope. So you're you kind of get on the back end. Would like to add some, you know, Tonquez Ball saw some time there. Could Tonquez move over? He played some nickel. Can he play corner? You know, then the cornerback conversation goes. You know, they loved uh, Javon Henderson, just Jay Henderson, they like to call him, but they like Henderson. You know, Odomegwu, can George Odomegwu, can he step up? You know, does Tonquez move over? So they obviously need to add some depth. The biggest thing, I think, D line, inside linebacker. And then corners. And the only reason I think the D-line 
was so thin again, and it's been so thin. They desperately need to get some defense alignment. I have full faith in whoever plays inside linebacker. Billy Taylor can turn into whatever mm-hmm. because the numbers just prove that he turns them into whatever. So feel confident there. And then obviously with half the league or more mm-hmm. chunking the ball all over the field, the the cornerback play and depth uh, definitely needs to be added. But there are some a lot of positions to be added. Big recruiting weekend last mm-hmm. weekend. There's a, a lot lined up to come in this weekend and the following weekend. You're starting to finally see offers in the transfer portal yes. thing online, which you you know kids we can't talk about, but kids are putting it out there, so it's very easy to follow. Mm-hmm. So you're starting to see what ETSU is trying to target position-wise. Mm-hmm. And, again, we'll let you figure that out on your own just so uh, we don't have to do that uh, tap dance and, and make sure since we are employees that we don't uh, say anything we're not supposed to say. Right. Um yeah, I agree with everything you just said. We can't we can't talk about offers, but we do. I mean, we have the information that the players are in the transfer portal that they are um, at least exploring leaving their current institutions. I think that's germane for discussion. And the uh, SoCon in general seems to be. I mean, a few schools are getting hit hard. Two schools are always going to get hit harder than everybody else, and those two schools are VMI and Wofford. And you've talked about this at length before. It is difficult for them to recruit in an environment where you have a lot of graduate transfers because you don't have graduate programs at your university. Those schools don't have graduate programs. So when somebody is done, like I just talked about, like, oh, you played four years, you have your degree, or five years, you have your degree. Uh, There's nowhere else for that guy to go and play at that school. There's nowhere else to go academically. The great unknown secret for Wofford is that Coach Ayers and Wofford and academics had figure out how most guys graduate in four and a half years. Right. So that you can maintain all your normal eligibility, you hit all your benchmarks and right. stuff by the NCAA, but you take four and a half years so that you redshirt one year, then you and get then four you years get to four play, years and you graduate play. in December. <laughs> and what they didn't have to worry about, right, was the extra COVID year, which is kind of killing some programs. Now, I don't know if VMI – figure that out or not when we're in but I know that Mike Ayers was masterful at his guys graduating in four and a half years if they redshirted a year so that way they're able to do it and again there's not a lot of uh, people uh, athletically graduate in four and a half years or need an extra semester or go with summer and mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that can graduate in three years that we've seen before that went ahead and went during the summers and did all, so there's different ways to skin the cat if you know what I mean yeah I, I, know, I know what you mean please don't talk about skinning cats I have a cat at home Please don't do I do that. too. You want another one? Actually, give we were it to talking, you tomorrow. We, we were talking about give another it one. to you tomorrow. We were talking about another yeah, one. Yeah, my daughter can't find out, but it's fine. <laughs> anyway, um, VMI on our our list, this list that we have in front of us has sixteen players in the transfer portal, and that is twofold. That is guys with lots of eligibility left who have their degrees, who don't have a graduate program they can enroll in at VMI, and also Scott Wackenheim stepping down as the head coach there. Same thing happened at Wofford, where on our list we have nine players for the Terriers that are in the portal as well. And a lot of these guys were starters for these teams, um, including Jimmy Wyrick, the quarterback at Wofford, was someone who started, but he has a degree. He has, I think, either one or two years of eligibility left. And he doesn't have anything that he can enroll in and study at Wofford College. So he's going to go somewhere else and explore somewhere else. And it has created something that um, Matt Entz talked to me about in, in recruiting. That's something that you want to avoid. 
It's called bubbles. Like you create a bubble in recruiting where you have a lot of players in a single class and that class rises through the ranks and then that bubble bursts and you replace them all with freshmen. And suddenly you are two years behind where you need to be to be competitive. So that is something that is ongoing with the transfer portal. And I know a lot of people feel conflicted about the transfer portal. I think ethically, um, if you are firm in your belief that that college athletes are the same as regular college students, then this is something that is correct, right? The, The players should have the freedom to make that choice. Right? They're not under any binding contracts or anything of the sort. They're not professional athletes. They're college kids. They should be able to make these decisions for themselves. Um, but also because of the sheer number of players that were it not for the plague would not have not be in the system right now are still in the system and are still able to make meaningful contributions to teams, and competitively, they are getting additional opportunities to play that preceding players didn't get, and that succeeding players probably won't get. A lot of those guys are finding other places to play. They're displacing high school players that would normally be there, and you end up with schools that just ha- that recruit the transfer portal extremely heavily because they want that experience, and sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes, you know, it's Texas State with Jake Spavadol who just got fired after his third straight four and eight season. Um, But all of those, there's so many players in the portal right now. I think it's tough to really judge how much of an impact this is truly going to have on roster management until we get into a more stable environment where most of the COVID waiver players have filtered out of the system. And you won't see that until 2025 or 2026. Yeah, I was trying to do the math on that the other day. Because if you're day. a true freshman in 21, redshirt freshman 22, well, sophomore spring, 23, 24. 20, right? it, tw- it was 20 with the spring well, 21. Be, yeah, right? it be 2020, you get the year back. So fresh, true freshman 20, redshirt freshman 21, 22, 23 would be your junior year. So 25. 24 is your senior year, 25 and In football terms, year. as far as that goes, it would be fall of 25 in football. Yeah. It would and be the, all about the sports is twenty five, twenty six for sports for basketball, for an example. Yeah, you're you're you are looking at a long because that would be yeah twenty fall of twenty five would be the sixth year for the guys that are in that were enrolled in the fall of twenty twenty as true freshmen. Well, and, and I will say this: there would be a little bit of a, uh, an attrition where guys that started twenty twenty one eventually don't play. So that I think the, absolutely n- the absolutely. numbers. I think 24-25 and 25-26, I think, will start to die down because the number of people continue. Instead of a four-year class that you're seeing right now of guys that could get going, you know, you're you're down a little bit and then guys won't play anymore. So it will start to go down, but it's still going to be there. It's still going to be a part of guys getting that extra couple years and freshmen that players and the amount of freshmen that are incoming are going to be – uh, starting to creep back up because those numbers continue to fall because of the regurgitation uh, and the classifying, uh, classifying up a lot of D2. There are more D2 guys that played mm-hmm. up, in, uh, specifically in football and basketball, played yeah. up this past year than have ever before, and there are more D2, D3 guys that have declared in the portal than we've ever seen before mm-hmm. in the portal, which was like 3,400 going into it. Um, let me just do this real quick. Okay. Because VMI, I'm just going to name – 
key names and guys that either started or played in basically every game in significant playing time. Okay, I'm, so there were um, you look at uh, Algerique Mowry played in uh, 42 games for VMI. Started Charles Dixon played in every game. Eric Weaver played in the first six games before he got hurt. Defensive lineman Ernie Campbell, defensive lineman, started played every game. Starting linebacker Evan Eller. Uh, Jake uh, Cawson was the tight end that uh, played in all 11 games. Uh, Jarvis Chandler started three games at O-line. Jerry Rice, a very talented kicker for VMI. Nine games for uh, Kaiser Samuel. Leroy Thomas, 35 career games, nine touchdowns. Seth Morgan, the starter, non-starter, starter, hurt. Um, and then Stone Snyder, who is the, the class of that group. Maybe, maybe if Seth Morgan's healthy, because people always need quarterbacks, but Stone Snyder's clearly the biggest name. And people looking for defensive line depth, there are plenty of guys. And a guy like Mowry mm-hmm. that got a lot of snaps, it's a safety position. Yep. Another guy that could see time. Then, since you already mentioned Wofford, all right, Al Hogan was the starting right guard. You already mentioned Jimmy Warwick, the starting quarterback. Landon yes. Parker, who came into his own, the talented wide receiver. And punter. And and punter. Good point. He could be a, a, a big-time Division One punter. His backup, Devin Matthews, who had 16 catches during the year, he's also in the portal. Mm-hmm. And then they've got three huge defensive losses. My, uh, Michael Mason, who's gotten offers from about everybody the second he went in at D-line. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of defensive backs in Tanara Noor and Miles Richardson. And then they had Camden Gray, who played – uh, nine games in 21, just one game this year. But here's an interesting one. Uh, Irvin Mulligan, nine games played in 2021, 859 yards, eight touchdowns, was suspended, didn't play last year at all at Wofford. So he goes in. And so if people looking maybe for some running back depth, that's that's another guy uh, that could be looked at. Those were the two, besides ETSU, those were the two schools hit most by starters leaving. Mm-hmm. The next one is interesting is Western Carolina. Now, they had about 10 quarterbacks go in, and I exaggerate, but I think it's really five. And they had nine on the roster. But five quarterbacks went. But the only one you need to know that's in there is Carlos Davis, who started a few games last year, started a majority this year, got kind of in a, a battle, and then lost his job going into the ETSU game where, Car- where Cole Gonzalez ended up starting the last two games. So Carlos Davis um, – Maybe the biggest name just because a quarterback. And in both special teams guys that I think can get a look. Brandon Dickerson, one of the better punters in the league. And then Richard McCollum was right there with Jerry Rice and Tyler Kelton as far as best field goal kickers uh, in the Southern Conference. Then after special teamers and Carlos Davis, I think it has to be uh, Raphael Williams. The speedster wide receiver is going to yeah. give it a go. Uh, he's going to go in the portal. And then um, a, a couple other wide receivers, and Terrence Horn and Toller uh, Keegerly. Timothy Jamison was a guy that was an outside linebacker, defensive end rush guy, backup. So I don't know, you know, what he can get there. And then the long snapper. So he lost the long snapper, mm-hmm. and then the punter and uh, the field goal kicker in McCollum. So Western Carolina hit hard, which I, I find a little shocking. Um, Carlos Davis, I get, you know, uh, oh, I've got Jacob Harris, a very talented all conference performer, uh, a couple of years for Western Carolina. So. I think West Carolina has lost a lot. Wofford, clearly, VMI, ETSU, the guys that have lost the most. The interesting couple for me is Citadel with the coaching change, not knowing the coaches, will probably have more guys go in the portal in the mm-hmm. spring once they know more. But just three guys in and nobody of notes. Um, Avery Dixon had special teams experience in three games. Christian yep. Hilton and Ethan Greenwood, no action whatsoever. You look at Chattanooga. Uh, Keyshawn Tony, who was originally at South Carolina, transferred to Chattanooga. 
just had seven catches, 63 yards, and a touchdown this year. Had more catches uh, last year. And a couple wide receivers that really didn't get any any uh, scratch the, the the playing field and Tyler Walker and Tyree O'Neal. Mm-hmm. That was it for chat. Mercer, Brandon Marshall Jr., running back that saw his playing time go down, and three guys that didn't play. And then for Furman, starter and offensive lineman Evan Jumper, and then backup Chase Wilson, who was, who was a starter. displaced as the starter yeah. from the previous year. Yeah, and, and and that's it. So really. You know, it's ETSU, VMI, Western Carolina. Now, Sanford's not finished playing. We know that they will have guys go in because that's how the world works. So, curious to see what Sanford has go in the portal um, for them. But it's ETSU, VMI, and Wofford. And for Wofford and VMI, Keith touched on it. The biggest issue for them is because they've all got extra years, no grad school, uh, or coaching change. Uh, they will both. lose. E- they will way. lose more players, and it will look worse. But they were going to lose those guys anyway because there wasn't anywhere academically for yeah. them to go. Yeah. So uh, that's uh, that's all we got for Portal Watch. We'll have more uh, as we get going. And a, a date to keep in mind is the twenty first. That is that signing was, day. Y- yes. Uh, also, November twenty first is the date the transfer portal opened for FCS. It stays open for forty five days. So if you're doing the math on that, that's nine days in or 10 days in November, 31 days in December would be would be 41 days. So 42, 3, 4, 5, the Wednesday before the national championship game is the date the transfer portal closes for FCS. So that's the date, the last date that players can enter the portal. For the fall. It opens fall. again in the spring. It opens again for, I believe, 15 days in the spring. Yep. So those are the timelines to keep in mind. Um, transfers will be a major part of this recruiting class for everybody. Um, I would not be the least bit shocked if it was a significant chunk of the recruiting class for ETSU um, just because of the number of players they've lost and the number of urgent needs they have. And we, you talked about it a little bit, Jay, is... Bucks need left tackle. Uh, would like to maybe find a, a center that can play and, and make an immediate impact. Um, you need somebody at corner that can be the guy. Uh, defensive line depth is crucial, and all of those guys need to be in a position where they can play. You need to be able to rotate bodies on the defensive line. ETSU was not able to do that this year, and you could see it by the end. I mean, Rodney Wright was beat up. He was he he was sore. Like he came in here for his interview and he made like old man noises when he sat down because he just takes so many hits and draws so many double teams. Um, you know, help out Evans, help out the other guys up front um by getting some guys that can rotate in and out on that defensive line. Um and then quarterback. You know, running back, I, I think or, or or like guard um or inside linebacker, I think those are positions where if you've got young guys and even your your boundary side corner, maybe. Um, it's a situation where if you've got somebody that's looking to take the next step within your program, you, at what point do you say, we got to give the guys we've recruited out of high school a chance to earn these positions and to grow into players that can make an impact for us and be two or three-year starters at ETSU I think there are some positions that are more important for others when you're looking at, okay, we need an immediate starter here. We need an immediate starter here. We can utilize a player that has we've invested development in who maybe isn't 100% ready, but is like 89% ready to take that step. And then we get them ready. We continue to develop them over the course of the season until they are a solid starter. 
uh, I think there are going to be positions where you just have to make that judgment call of, is this a position where we need to get a transfer? Is this a position where we give guys who are already here, who are sticking it out, who want to be part of ETSU football uh, and have stayed when maybe they had an opportunity to leave? Um, do we reward those guys with a chance to play meaningful football for us? The other thing I would say on the offensive line, a guy that they thought was going to be a potential starter that got hurt right before the year was Chris Everhart to transfer from Marshall. So he's yeah. going to be hopefully at offseason surgery. He's going to be healthy. Also, uh, Fred Norman Jr. finally got in the lineup. He's going to be able to have a full offseason to work out, get back in a little better shape. He's already committed to that. There's two guys right there that had huge upsides we'll on the offensive ton. line that, that is going to be able to help. They still need depth. They still need more guys to come in. For sure. But that's certainly two things in-house on the offensive line, uh, offensive line of things. I really think, of, again, there's no change in the receiving court. you got to like what they have at receiver. I think there's some talented running backs. I think the tight ends are talented. Quarterback O-line is going to be the two biggest pieces uh, for the offense to be addressed. And, and I will say, and I mean, whoever ETSU ends up with at quarterback, we, we know they're going to – it's, it's almost a certainty that ETSU is going to explore quarterbacks in the transfer portal. I think if you are a quarterback who is maybe been on the bench at a higher-level school and you're looking for a place you can play, I think this wide receivers group is extremely attractive to uh, a transfer quarterback. Carter is great, quick slot option. Um, Wilson and Lewis and Will Huzzy. I think this is a really, really strong group of wide receivers to throw to. Tight ends can catch. The tight ends can catch as well. Noah West, very good hands. Um, you know, you can put Jawan Martin out in the flat and let him do some work that way as well. Uh, you know, especially, or in a goal line package, he can be really useful as a pass catcher, as a fullback or something of that nature. Frierson had some great catches against Western Carolina, and we've seen that ability for him as well. I know that's your guy. Um, this is, I mean, if, if I were a quarterback in the transfer portal looking for places where I thought I could have success um, based on the personnel around me, I would think ETSU would rate out pretty well in that respect because this group of wide receivers is just, they're all here. They're all, they all want to be here. They're all ready to play. And uh, I think you get the right guy in at quarterback and everybody's going to be really, really happy with the end result. The biggest stories, the hard-hitting details, the in-depth investigative reporting you've been craving, all can be found at ESPN, The Athletic, and The Associated Press. Now here's someone not named Adrian Wojnarowski, Ian Rapoport, or Bruce Feldman. All right, we're talking news, we're talking head coaching news, the Southern Conference 3 coaching vacancies, uh, or two and a half, as uh, Sean Watson was the interim coach, and we'll start there. They just ripped the tag off the interim coach, and I would – I know they had a, a quick chat with a few other guys, but it, it to me it made sense, um, especially the way that the team played. And, again, a lot of people went, well, I lost all the players, but we just covered that in the last segment. Sure. There's a reason why he lost all the players. It's not because – and I'm curious to see if those players didn't go to bat for Coach Watson as well. But he made the most sense um, just to take the interim tag off. The other two uh, coaching can or oh, vacancies were at the academies, VMI and the Citadel, and an interesting hire, VMI, uh, Danny Rocco, who had that is a really uh, I don't know how to I would 
to say we were shocked, both of us who pretty much follow this and can tell you where Coach Rocco's been, where a lot of people maybe don't know where he's been. I mean, it, besides the fact he's been in the state of Virginia before, I can't figure out I, – I'm just confused on the hire. I'm not saying bad, good, and different. I'm I, just I think it is – as far as the caliber of coach, I thought VMI would struggle to get somebody. Like, I honestly did. It's, you know, Lexington, Virginia. Wackenheim went there. He he gave it everything he had for the last however many years. And it was kind of like beating his head against the wall a little bit. I just, man, like what in the world is going on? Uh, where, where you do all of this work, you build this culture, and you still can't win. And you, you build a place that people want to be. Like, the players that are there wanted to be there, and they wanted to play for Walk. And it just didn't... You just couldn't win. Um, and it was head-scratching. And I thought, like, well, if Scott Walkenheim couldn't do it and sustain it and stay there and be happy and be committed to the place, then who could? Uh, to go out and get someone who has coached in the CAA at two of the better programs in the CAA and has had some success in those two programs, right? Has had some success in the two programs in the CAA. Um, at, at Richmond, he was pretty solid. At Delaware, um, I think, you know, their their aspirations were maybe a little bit bigger than what he was able to deliver over time. Um, but he had some bad injury luck. You know, they couldn't really get quarterback right. Ryan Carty certainly did some decent things this year with that program. He's, he's got work to do still. Um, and I'm not 100% sure that Delaware is ever going to be what it used to be. But to get Danny Rocco to VMI um, is a, in terms of the caliber, the, the instant caliber, the established caliber of the coach that they were able to go out and get. I thought they were going to be looking at young guys, guys that had maybe bided their time for an opportunity. Um, they went out and got a proven FCS head coach. That's a really impressive hire, and I tip my cap to the administration in Lexington for going out and getting Danny Rocco. Right, and, and again, I, it was curious. It was interesting. I think the caliber of coach was an incredible get for VMI. I'll say this, Citadel's had a few people reach out that um, – Certainly some some names. Right, that that shocked me. One that will come out later that I'll let uh, other folks break. I'm not in the news-breaking industry. But one that was a former FBS coach that I was like, holy cow, and they couldn't settle on money and, and you know, things like that. But the, the fact that schools – and it just shows you there aren't that many head coaching jobs available, just period, in football. Mm -hmm. And sometimes coaches that have been a head coach that go to be an assistant realize, I want to be a head coach. And I think right. there are certain people. It's why people ask me, were we concerned that Randy Sanders would take a coordinator job back at FBS at some point and maybe leave ETSU? And a lot of people, even when he retired, said, well, he's just going to take a year off and go back to FBS. And, be a, and, I, and I told them no because I had talked to him. And basically, once he became the guy mm – -hmm. He didn't want to take orders from anybody else. And right. and there is some of that ego that play into that mm -hmm. that they don't want to put up with that anymore. You know, they've 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 got the taste of the power, if you will, and they want that. And Our they business is not unsimilar to that. True. Yeah. It's it, not dissimilar to that. 
There are a lot of businesses that way that, you know, if you are in – it's why the NFL more – NFL pro sports – let me say it because I've seen it in NBA too. Pro sports, it's interesting that guys that were a head coach that end up going to work for one of their coordinators when those coordinators become a head coach and you end up kind of working underneath them. I think those in professional sports – it's a little more done because those are just rolled through faster. Guy, I mean, mm-hmm. I know sometimes colleges only give a guy two, three years, whatever. But in the pros, I mean, they can give you a year, eighteen yeah. months. I mean, it's it's quickly, you know, lifespan is over with. But in in college, you get a little bit more time. But it's 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 not as much because if you look at what Alabama has done, just use them an example, where they bring in all these former head coaches, they make them analysts, they do whatever. Those guys jump ship as fast as humanly possible uh, to get head coaching jobs and. They don't want to be an assistant for a long time, or at all. Like, yeah, I mean, it's means to an end, but they want to be the guy again. Who all has gone through that through Alabama's coaching tree in the last few years? Kiffin did it because he went, he got fired at USC, and he went to Bama to work for Saban, and then he went to FAU. Sark did it after USC, and then he went to Texas, mm. and that's worked out. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the head coach at Maryland. Butch did Jones it. did it. Mike Loxley. Yep. I think, who was at Maryland before as an interim. Right, and they didn't hire him. Yeah, and they didn't hire him. They went with, um, I don't even know who they went with at the time. Um, Was it DJ Durkin, maybe? I think it was DJ Durkin. And then there was um, a really traumatic off-field incident that I don't really want to get into. Um, It's out there. You can find it. It's not hard to find. It's just traumatic. Um, But, (laughs) you know, they've... They go with Loxley. Loxley went to Alabama and then leveraged that into a new position. And there are probably people on that staff right now uh, that are former head coaches that want to go somewhere and be the guy. I think Derek Dooley's on Alabama staff right now. He is. Former FBS coach. You can't imagine that he wants to stay there for very long. You know, there are plenty of guys um, that are on Saban staff at, at Bama or have been on Saban staff at Bama that have gone on to bounce it's essentially the rebound right it's the rebound it's the bounce back and uh, there's been plenty of coaches that have had success that way it is it is interesting but it goes back to the overarching kind of did did McIlwain go to Alabama after Florida and then go to Central Michigan or no he was coordinator 2011 and got the Colorado State job from there that's right that's right that's right that's right I'm looking at a full coaching tree where just I don't have enough time to do it I should have did this ahead of time because I knew I was I was gonna talk about that but the amount of kind of rehabilitating of images and other things and and guys that and you know give and Saban likes to be around you know Bill O'Brien's gonna be the next one. Oh yeah I mean he's gonna be the next guy that gets a uh, you know was a college coach pro coach going back to oh. college to be offense coordinator will eventually get a a job so there'll be plenty of those that being said Citadel and reading just a couple of articles very quickly they hope to have somebody in place by the 15th I know they offered couldn't come up to uh, mm-hmm. a deal yesterday, and so they're they're I don't want to say going back to drawing board. They've certainly been interviewing folks, but that's the Southern Conference. I don't believe there's going to be unless something very strange happens with FBS, and most of the people at FBS have already been uh, let go. But there could be a rare situation and trickle down effect as we're getting ready to talk about uh, that could lead to 
not necessarily Southern Conference letting guys go, but a Southern Conference coach, maybe a door opens and then they're able to to move on to uh, greener pastures. But that's it for Southern Conference. Uh, once Citadel fills it, you should have your nine head coaches, unless the coach leaves because of some of the trickle down that can happen. There is a big move that happened in FCS this morning. Jay Hill, the head coach at Weber State, uh, is stepping down to become the new defensive coordinator at BYU. And I, I have to imagine that BYU just knocked his socks off financially to do that. I don't know. But Jay's a great guy, has um, done a phenomenal job in Ogden, and will, uh, will be sorely missed at this level. Weber is a much better job than it was when he got there. And that's because of the work he's done, because of his ability to corral fundraising and build new facilities for, for the benefit of the program. That is, I'm very intrigued to see who they get next because I do think they have more resources for athletics than, say, an Eastern Washington, which has decidedly taken a step backwards since Bo Baldwin left. Um, no disrespect to Aaron Best, but um, I, I don't even think it's necessarily his coaching that has anything to do with it. I just think that team hasn't been able to maintain um, the financial wherewithal necessary to be nationally competitive like it used to be. Um, another name I'd keep my eye on is Troy Taylor at Sacramento State. I, the, the Stanford job is open. Stanford has notoriously had a difficult time in the transfer portal era building a competitive roster. And they did it in the old days under... Um, I mean, you think about like Harbaugh and what he had and the success he had there and the offenses that he ran. And Shaw kind of tried, to, I think, tried to keep a lot of that. Um, Taylor's ability to have success in the Bay Area at any level, I think, is something that could be attractive to um, to Stanford. Now, is that a pretty big jump to go from high-end FCS that wasn't that high-end when you got there to a Power 5? Yes, it is. Uh, but also... Taylor's not leaving Sacramento for a coordinator job. Cal, I think, has already tried that, and it didn't work. So that would be a name I'd have my eye on. Um, otherwise, you know, what does Brent Vegan do at Montana State? I think he's probably going to sit tight and continue to have success there, and I think there is a will to keep him there. That will be very interesting is when the FCS playoffs are over, what happens to some of these notable coaches that maybe aren't necessarily at your prestige power programs? What do they do? Where do they go? Um, and even some of the guys that are at your power programs, like you know, coordinators and position coaches, are they going to have opportunities to move on? And how important could those departures be? Uh, that will be pretty significant to watch, I think, in, in, as well. Um, and I don't expect that to have a lot of knock-on consequences for the teams that miss the playoffs, and certainly for most of the SOCON, I don't expect that to have significant knock-on consequences. But it's always something to keep an eye on because as the landscape shifts, the SOCON has opportunities to rise and fall. Well, I'll be curious. Um, the one coach in the SOCON, um, well, let me... Let, Let's backtrack a little bit, and then I'll get to the roundabout point. A um, couple ETSU guys have notes in the coaching carousel. 
Marcus Satterfield left South Carolina's offense coordinator to go be with his buddy Matt Rolt in Nebraska. Yes. So there's an ETSU tie there. And then Jamie Chadwell left Coastal Carolina to go to Liberty. Or at least if he's not signed the deal, the rumor is a seven-year deal for uh, Jamie Chadwell. I believe that's done. That's a I believe that's done. That's been reported. So unless something hit the 19th hour, then Chadwell. Uh, I think there have been quotes out there from Chadwell about it. So there you go. So, so yeah. Coastal it's, Carolina it's is obviously going to have a job opening in the Sun Belt. And does somebody like Chris Hatcher maybe get a chance back? Who's been at Georgia at, Southern. That's right. Ben has had a chance. He's now having offensively. They know what he's got. Chadwell is an offensive guy. Like to score a lot of points. I mean. There could be an opportunity for Coach Hatcher, who's now proven that, hey, we can do it on the defensive side too. He's always coached in the south, whether you look at Moorhead State and Georgia Southern, Sanford, some of those ties. And I'm just, you know, Coastal May, because of what Chadwell's done, it's been elevated up. Maybe they feel like they don't need an FCS guy. They want something else. But they had success bringing Chadwell, and it was kind of happenstance because he was at, at uh, Charleston Southern got a chance to be the offense coordinator. Then, unfortunately, because of health issues, was elevated up to an interim head coach and got the head coaching position. So it wasn't like they necessarily wanted to go FCS route. But you know, seeing what Chadwell and the successes had there, will they look to get a name at Coastal Carolina or a coordinator of note of one of these, you know, kind of hot commodities, or will they go FCS, bring a guy in and go? Like I said, I think Hatcher would be interesting to Coastal and see mm-hmm. what they would do. But other than that, at least right now, the jobs kind of in the south involving the conference, I don't see unless there's more of a trickle down where a job would open. I kind of feel like we're in, after all the hires last year with like Venables and uh, I think Tony Elliott got hired at Virginia and a lot, a lot of guys making all these different moves. I feel like we're kind of in a coordinator vacuum. Like there aren't a lot of hot prospect coordinators that just – people are talking about all the time it seems like now would be a good opportunity to go get somebody who has had success in a variety of ways uh at a variety of levels i mean you know hatcher won a d2 national championship uh he's had his best season ever uh and you have news on coastal's already hired tim beck tim beck how about that offense coordinator nc state if you're unfamiliar with tim i that was that was quick that was i had heard that name attached to them but i yeah, uh, Chadwell yeah. apparently signed on December 3rd. On December 4th, Tim Beck was hired. So, Coastal wasting no time. I'm way behind the times You on are. all of this. I apologize. I, 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 was following, I was following your lead, Jay. Come on. You're, you're our fearless leader. Well, that's, that's, that's yeah. fearless, yes. Leader. I, that's always always questionable there. But All right. So well, is it, isn't yeah, there an yeah. AD in your title now? Come on. You're a leader. I mean, it's there's like a lot of other words, and then the word assistant, and then and then you get to there. But uh, I don't know that titles really special what, undersecretary well, to the assistant AD for no. As I've said before, I've been here 21 years, and eventually look around the building, and you're the you're the last guy standing. Uh, so I don't I don't know if that's good or bad. Because <laughs> 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 uh, eventually they uh, they look to the last guy that's been here the longest, and you don't know yep. if uh, you're gonna have a job anymore. But as of right now, you know they pay me, and I keep showing up. But yeah, Tim Beck, that's an interesting. You know, again, offensive guy. Uh, man, a five year, nearly one million dollar per year. 
for him to go to Coastal. Boy, has that job changed. I know when mm-hmm. Chadwell got it, it was about a $450,000 job, and I'm sure he got raises as, as it went along. He certainly Chadwell's, got paid Chadwell's a big part of why it changed. That's right, and he certainly got rewarded with his contract, oh, uh, no. seven-year deal at yeah. Liberty. So, again, good for Jamie Chadwell, former ETSU quarterback there. A salary over four mil for Chadwell at Liberty. Holy cow, good for him. Yeah. And not even close to the median of co- or the uh, the upper tier of college football. And it's probably close to the median. It's probably above the median, but it's not. I mean, FBS salaries are just spiraling and spiraling and spiraling upward and upward and upward, and everything's market rate. It's fascinating to watch. Duh, 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 duh. The uh, Tim Beck news also shows you how much I really don't care about FBS. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> it really does. A little bit. A little bit. Hatch would be a great FBS coach, but I still can't believe. I still cannot believe that Chris Hatcher is 49 years old. He's like the second or third youngest head coach can, in the SOCON. Can I just say this? I don't know if the Sun Belt particularly is a great fit, but will he not be great in the MAC? <laughs> like give him a matching team, just a chunk one of the one of the directional oh, Michigans or something like Bowling that, Green, and let yeah, him just chunk like it that. around yeah. everywhere or Tulsa, something like that. Like it just yeah, Tulsa. Tulsa's hired as well. I don't. But I mean, but that type, was, that caliber school. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that. I feel like Tulsa's always try to play a, a very offensive, up tempo type game. The MAC clearly that's their their bread and butter. Uh, maybe one of the Louisiana schools. Uh, you know, if that ever opened back up, whether it's Louisiana or, or Let's see. Uh, um, Barry Odom just got hired at UNLV last night. Yeah. Tulsa hired Kevin Wilson, the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Uh, again, uh, that type of offense. Again, I, I told, that's Tulsa's MO, though. Yeah. If you look at Tulsa and the old uh, Hurricanes and what they want to do. Um, anyways, you know, I don't know if you know this, Keith, but there's actual football games going on this weekend. Yeah, there are. Uh, that, that matter, unlike yeah. bowl games. Uh, uh, the Army-Navy game. Yeah, that's the one I was going to talk about. Uh, all right, get you some, Don. It's go Army beat Navy week, but uh, I don't know how much we want to talk about that. I can talk about it for days. Army needs to bounce back, baby. They need to be bowl eligible. Last year's disappointment, uh, I mean, Army's on like their seventh quarterback. I'm not real sure what they're doing uh, with that. Uh, but – uh, one team could get bowl eligible Army, one team can, and Navy. And Navy got them last year, so it's Army's turn uh, to pick up a win. That's all I'm going to say about that. I went to it a few years ago. It was an unbelievable spectacle. I uh, ran it by uh, not just uh, Steve Forbes, who was the head coach, and it was a men's basketball game that day, but also mm-hmm. Sky Carter and said, look, guys, I actually have tickets for the first time ever Army-Navy. I don't know if I can ever get that again. They both looked at me and said, I quote, you're dumb if you don't do it. And so uh, one of the few men's basketball games, it might be, I think it's the only men's basketball game I have missed that wasn't because of another game, meaning that I was at a football game or uh, I guess it would only be football, but that would yeah. be the only reason that I have missed a And, and that would that would have been a historic first because it would have been the first time you would have been dumb for not doing something. <laughs> that is a very fair point uh that i will have to concede on that it was also it was a non-division one game for etsu so i felt pretty mm. good about you know whoever they beat by a thousand that day um 
Uh, because they did win by a lot. Uh, and yeah. then, of course, Army went up like 7 nothing and went south from there, and Navy won. So it was a very disappointing day for me. Also, apparently it was in the Navy section. Oh, and, no, that's uh, unfortunate. So that wasn't, and, and so once I found, I found out before the game, so me and my wife did not wear Army stuff that we have. We did wear the color black. And the guy sitting next to me looked at me at one point and goes, hey, you know you're not fooling anybody, right? <laughs> I, just, I just started laughing because I was just sitting there, and he just very I mean, very calmly just looked at me and said that. And I looked at him and I said, well, he said, I mean, should have worn something else if you're trying to convince people you're not pulling for Army in this section. <laughs> I was like, so, again, not a smart guy, as we've stated before. Yes. All right, let's talk about FCS playoffs. There's four games left, eight teams, right? It is quarterfinal of the round ETSU lost last year. It is also a Southern Conference team going to North Dakota State. It is on ESPN2 at 7 p.m., the Sanford Bulldogs and North Dakota State. You said in the open you're going to tell us why Sanford's not going to win. Uh, North Coast State has the athletes to on the corner positions to press Sanford wide receivers to disrupt their timing routes, which means their offense won't go anywhere. The pass rush will swallow, um, if it's hires especially, will absolutely swallow hires. Crittenden can at least put up a fight because he actually thinks about running. Uh, North Coast State should not have. And North Coast State also will be able to control the line of scrimmage with their offensive line and their run game, even though their down key personnel, Hunter Lipke's done for the season. Uh, but their offensive line's fantastic. Their run game with Tameric Williams and Kobe Johnson was terrific against Montana last week. I expect them to have little difficulty controlling the ball, controlling the clock, and being able to get off the field when they need to. Um, this is going to be by far the most this this is the most formidable challenge that Sanford has had since they played Georgia, and uh, I do not expect that. they'll score some points, but I would not expect this game to be terribly competitive late. So, what if I told you? that the team with the worst record left in the field is North Dakota State. Yeah. Not that it matters, but they're the only team with two losses. So think about that. Sanford's 11-1 and one with the only loss to Georgia. And if they only lost to the two defending national champions, that's a heck of a year. That's a great year. I mean, it's an unbelievable year. Oh, it's an unbelievable year. year. Don't get me wrong, but I North Dakota State at home should have little difficulty with Sanford. Then you look at a couple 11-1 teams at 10-15 on ESPN2, as we like to call them, Bill and Mary. Versus the Bobcats of Montana State, which is a great town and a great facility. Los Angeles. Got to love it. So that uh, Montana State. By the way, if you believe the wise guys, North Dakota State is a 17 basically point favorite. Do. Montana State is a, over a touchdown favorite. Then you have Incarnate Word at 1030, which should be a good one. That one's just on ESPN+. Plus. Incarnate Word, Sacramento State. Again, these three on Friday night. Sacramento State, one of the – Lone two undefeated teams left, 12-0. and 0, Incarnate Word at 11-1. Sac State right at 6.5-point favorites. Again, if you mm-hmm. believe the wise guys. And on Saturday, the lone Saturday, normally this has been relegated to North Dakota State's time slot at noon. They must feel disrespected. Saturday at noon, it goes to the arch rival, the Jackrabbits, the number one seed, South Dakota State, at 11-1 versus the only other undefeated team, Keith Brakes, Holy Cross, Crusaders. Listen. I love what Bob Chesney's done. He was the Region 1 Coach of the Year. Chris Hatcher was the Region 2 FCS Coach of the Year. Who doesn't love a guy named Bob anyways? Yeah, absolutely. Bob. Absolutely. Bob. Bob Ross. Like Todd. Todd, Bob, Bob. It just comes off the top. Yeah. Anyways. Bob, Bob is Bob – is, uh, he, he's been painting happy little trees and, and happy little skies and all of there's that. There's no and, accidents. Everything's and, a there's happy no, – There's no mistakes. Everything's a happy accident, uh, including their, their win over Buffalo earlier this year. That was not a happy accident. They did that deliberately. 
uh, by playing really well. It's a fantastic program that he's built. Um, I give them virtually no chance of winning this game. I think they will go and put up a fight. Um, I just I don't see them winning it. If they do, I will wear purple for a month. They have a better chance of winning, according to the wise guys, as they are a little less of an underdog than Sanford at North Dakota State. Now, Sanford has a backup quarterback. I think that certainly plays into – now, not that uh, Crendon hasn't didn't play well in his one game, but certainly the stakes go up a, a little higher. No – you like to play on Warfare? I, 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 I still like no. Okay. I, I like Crittenden's ability to actually run with the ball and think about running. I don't I don't get that same sense from Hires. I feel like he's just gonna stand there and look confused if his receivers aren't in the spots they need to be in, or possibly throw it to a safety. I don't know. I just I just don't see it. Um, what? what uh, I do think, though, South Dakota State Holy Cross is a bigger mismatch. Do you think you could, uh, you know, JT Daniels has started his career at USC. Mm-hmm. Then he went to, was it Georgia, right? Yes. And then West Virginia. Mm-hmm. So he's been wearing blue and gold colors. Can you, you know, uh, does it make sense? He's tried every Power Five conference known to mankind. That maybe, you know, uh, of course I kid, he's not coming. That's well, why I joke about it. Well, he's been in the... He's only been in three Power Five conferences, so he hasn't tried every Power Five. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I guess he could play in two more. He could go to the go to the SEC. Yeah, go, go play go for Missouri Ten. or something. I don't know where else he. Well, he's already played SEC. He's got to go Big yeah, Ten. ACC Big Ten. Yeah, he's got to go. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just yeah. thinking maybe you convince him he's already tried all those and uh, go play quarterback. Good of course, luck. I kid because he's obviously not coming to ETSU. Otherwise, I wouldn't bring it up. But we did do that with Gallagher. We would. Uh, fantasy book basketball guys in the mm-hmm. portal that would come to ETSU that clearly would 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 never come to ETSU uh, and Gallagher always used to try to find the the tallest and the shortest guy so it was always if there was a five six five seven guy because mm-hmm. obviously ETSU is known for having great you know great sub sub, sub six foot guards and then also if there was like a seven four guy out there he was like hey let's get them <laughs> and and then he always picked the uh, because he's a D three guy if there was the Non-division, the best non-division one guy would go in the portal and find we we would have fun with guys and not to pull the curtain back on the show, but clearly we uh, talked to the staff to make sure they weren't recruiting any of these guys. So we weren't doing any any. And yes, I can confirm they are not recruiting JT Daniels. Uh, I know that may be heartbreaking to some folks. Now I'm sure if he ever called and said, "Hey, I want to come play there," they would take JT Daniels. But JT Daniels clearly is not. Uh, I, I just I just want to clear the air on something here um, because I've seen every fan base has this. Everybody does it. Uh, or everybody knows somebody that does it. Please don't tweet it, recruits. I don't care what school you cheer for. It's one, it's tacky. Two, it's an NCAA violation, and it could get the school in trouble. Please don't tweet it, recruits. I, I, you, it's, it's, you, it's not. It, I, no, no quote tweets. No, please come to my school. No, none of that. Just don't do it. Just, just don't do it. Likes are fine. Retweets are fine. But the moment you start putting words out there. That could be interpreted as um, an enticement to attend a university. Uh, let the coaches do their jobs. Let the athletes make their decisions in peace. Please don't tweet it, recruits. I have said this for years. I continue to say it. Please don't tweet it, recruits. As Thank Keith, you. As Keith Brake. Sidebar closed. All right. Keith Brake is... Uh... Any, any other uh, chastising anybody you want to get off your chest while you're doing it? Uh, yes. Please learn to use your turn signals. If, if, if the Washington County Sheriff's Department wrote a ticket for every single failure to signal that I've seen in the last two weeks, 
they could fund the department for the entire year. Use your signals. Y'all are nuts. That's that's all I got. That's my daily chastisement. All right. Keith got a lot off his chest today. All right, we talked a lot of good things. We talked portal. We talked oh, football. Oh, FCS. Oh, I have not coaches. yet begun to fight, big guy. Well, <laughs> we're going to talk hoops. Yes, we Tomorrow, are. Tomorrow, not yes, today. We are. We're going to talk hoops, a couple big basketball games, ETSU at Moorhead on the men's side. Bowling Green women come to town with their six and run record against ETSU's eight and two mark. We'll talk ETSU basketball, Southern Conference basketball. Next on the Yankees show. Back here to our network. Signal the early changes. Oh, you got to be kidding me.